Well, it is indeed a pleasure and a privilege this morning to open God's word with you today. We are in Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn there in your Bibles or on your electronic device, whatever you have. While you're turning there, I have a question for you. Are you a planner? Do you like to plan things? Do you like to get things ready, plan how you're going to do things? Maybe, maybe you don't really enjoy it, but you have to do it, right? We have to, anything worth doing is probably worth planning ahead of time to make sure it happens well. You know, my wife and I, we had, we just got back from a little vacation. We went, we were able to go down east for a couple of weeks. And we'd never, we'd been to PEI and to New Brunswick before, but we'd never been to Nova Scotia. So we spent a, a lot of time, actually a couple of years planning this trip because we actually were supposed to go last year, but because of COVID, we kind of put it off and we went this year. But the time we put talking to those who used to live in PEI, some of you are, are those people, you know, we talked to you, we said, hey, what, where should we go? What should we see? What do we want to do? And then, you know, those who had also taken similar trips, you know, what's, what's the best places to stay? And, you know, how long was that drive? And was it, you know, all those things that we need to learn about this trip we wanted to take. And of course, we searched the internet, you know. Internet has all sorts of information. In fact, because I was searching the internet, ads about PEI in Nova Scotia would just pop up on my phone for no particular reason. Not that Siri's actually listening to me or anything, but maybe, I don't know. But we, we planned and we, we you know, we, my, my wife, I gotta tell you, she did the majority of the planning. She loves this stuff. If you want, it's, it'd be fun. You should ask to see her book because she has a, a notebook and in that book there, every single day it's laid out where we're going to be, where we're going to stay, how long is the drive is that day, you know, where are some things that people said we should stop and see along the way. It's just laid out. It's all ready and super organized. But here's the thing, and you all know this. I'm not telling you anything new, but there comes a time, and there came a time for us, specifically for us, it was Monday morning, July 18th. We had to pack all the stuff in the van and we actually had to go on the trip that we'd spent all that time planning. It was time to put the plan into action. Now, what would it have been like if I had looked at my wife and said, you know what, planning this trip was awesome. You know, we had a great time, we learned so much. In fact, I think I could probably tell other people about where they should go and what they should visit. We don't even need to go on the trip. We can just stay home. Yeah, yeah, my wife would kill me. But how crazy would that have been to plan this amazing vacation and then never take it? Never put the plan into action. That would have been, that would have been nuts. The whole point of planning, of learning, is to put what we've learned into action. And that's where we're at. In, that's the point of the sermon we're at. This, we've been studying this amazing sermon that Jesus Christ himself preached so many years ago. And we're at that point now in that sermon. If you've been tracking with us, you'll know that we've been working through the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been doing it since April. It's been a long time. But we're nearing the conclusion of that sermon we're only looking at two verses today in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Now up to this point, we have learned much about what life should be like for Christ followers, 
right? For believers who are citizens of God's new and unique and different kingdom, even as we live as exiles in this world, living in the world but not of the world, we don't belong to the world, we belong to Jesus, and yet we're put here on this earth as the church, the church of Jesus Christ, to make disciples and to live for him. So we've heard from Jesus, Jesus himself about a lot of things, right? We've learned about grace and faith and service, love, joy, and hope. Jesus has talked about how we should deal with anger and lust, marriage, divorce, truth, peace, and hatred. We've learned about praying and giving, fasting or maybe not fasting if you heard that message, about how we're to handle money and worry and judgment. And even last, just last week, Pastor Matt walked us through how we're to come to the Father, to God in prayer, understanding his desire to give us everything that we need. And through it all, we've been learning We've been learning that everything is different than what the Pharisees were teaching. Jesus' audience at the day, they only knew the teaching of the Pharisees, and now Jesus comes along and flips everything upside down. And in the same way for us today, we're learning that the Word of God, the way God would have us live as citizens of His kingdom, is different than what the world today would see as normal and natural. So now we reach that point in every sermon, that point every pastor must eventually reach where Jesus starts to wrap things up. A good friend of mine says it's time to land the plane, to challenge his audience. And, and what Jesus is doing here today is he's challenging his audience to put into practice, to put into action, to implement all that he's been teaching in this amazing Sermon on the Mount. So when we look at this passage, Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus is asking his listeners to respond when he says this. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. And Lord, today as we, as we dig into these few verses today, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in us, that we would hear you, that we would hear from you in your word. We would understand more fully what you were teaching so long ago and what you are still teaching us today. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, when you read those verses, they seem pretty straightforward, don't they? It's pretty simple. Jesus is painting a picture. He's giving an illustration. And it's an illustration that there is, there's a wide gate and a broad road that leads to destruction. And it's, it's a popular route. It says there are many, many on it. But then there's also a small gate, right, a narrow road that leads to life, and it's much less popular. It says, few find it. Now, some have asked, as I was studying on this, I, I discovered that some people have asked, well, is it a gate that leads to a road, or is it a road that leads to a gate? Which is it? 
And I don't know how much it matters, and scholars are divided on the, the topic, but I'm gonna side with the majority of the scholars, just because that's safe. No, it's because I believe that this is probably the correct way, because Jesus presented them in an order. Jesus always says the gate and then the road, the gate and then the road. So I think the gate comes first, and it leads us to a road. Now the other thing about this, these gates and roads is that the two options that Jesus gives are distinctly different, right? They're in fact opposites. I mean, think about it. He says the, the wide gate and the broad road, he implies because it's wide and broad, this is the easy way. The wide gate with the broad road is the easy way. I mean, when you're driving on a road, if it's nice and wide, it's spacious, there's lots of room, there's lots of space, there's, there's actually more room for error even, right? You don't have to be quite so careful, you can drive faster. It's inviting even. It's popular. That's the wide gate and the wide road. In fact, conventional thinking would tell us it's probably the preferred way to travel. That's why we build highways like the 401, because we, we don't want to drive on Highway 2 the rest of our lives. We want, a, we want a bigger, wider road. Most of us would choose that bigger, wider road when we're driving, right? As opposed to those narrow, winding back roads that are dangerous. Now, on the other side of that, of course, is the small gate and the narrow road, and it's the hard way to go. It's more difficult, right? Again, thinking about driving, it's more dangerous. There's less room for error. You probably have to slow down a little bit, take your time, be careful, watch what you're doing. It's more difficult. That makes it less inviting. It makes it slower. It's going to take longer to get there. It's a little more dangerous. Maybe I, I don't want to take the risk. I don't know what's around the corner. Conventional wisdom would say, find another way. This is too hard. Don't go that way. Find a, a wider road to drive on. But there's another important distinction between these two gates and roads. And it changes everything. They don't lead to the same destination. This is not about, Jesus is not talking about picking the easiest route to the same place. No. Don't misunderstand what it says. The easy way leads to destruction and the hard way leads to life. The destination of each way is the exact opposite. It's totally different. That's why Jesus says at the very beginning of this passage, enter. He doesn't say choose. He doesn't say consider your options. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This is a call to action. It's a call to take that step and enter. He's not suggesting you choose between two equally viable options. No, he's instructing you, inviting you, inviting us to enter through the narrow gate. He's not making you guess. He's not saying, well, there's door A and there's door B. And well, once you open the door, you'll see what's behind it. No, he's telling us 
the way to go. Enter through the narrow gate. He couldn't be more clear. So what is the gate? Well, if you were to look up John 14, 6, Jesus answered that question to his disciples because they asked, how do we get to the Father? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Earlier in John chapter 10, Jesus is using another illustration, illustration of the shepherd and the sheep and the flock. And he says in verse 7 to 9 of John chapter 10, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus is the narrow gate. Jesus is the way. Only those saved by God through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross can enter through the narrow gate, as Jesus instructs us. And and notice, I, I can't state this enough, Jesus doesn't hide the gate. He actually encourages us. He calls us. He invites us to put our faith and trust in him and enter through that narrow gate. Now, the next question, of course, is enter what? What is he asking us to enter into? Well, according to the text, it's enter into the narrow road. The the prescribed way of life that Jesus has laid out for the citizens of his kingdom. That's what he's asking us to enter. Through the narrow gate, we end up on this narrow road, this way of life, that God is teaching us about. Jesus is teaching us. That's what the whole sermon has been about, right? How should citizens of God's kingdom live as exiles on this earth? How do we live? Jesus is calling us to live on the narrow road. The key verse in this this whole sermon, we keep going back to it, right? Matthew 5, verse 20. It says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The passage is about entering the kingdom of heaven, living as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So we're being called by God, instructed to follow Jesus, to put our faith and trust in him, the gate, and enter into a new way of life, the narrow road. Now, why does Jesus use this illustration? Why is he talking about gates and roads? When I was studying this, I, and I sat down with Pastor Rick one day just to talk through kind of what I was learning, he, he told me something that I'll never forget. He says, Jesus doesn't waste his words. If he said gate and road, he said it for a reason. So I'd like us to look at some of the implications of a narrow gate. Why is it a narrow gate? What does that mean, that it's a narrow gate? Well, first of all, as I was doing some reading, I found several commentators likened it to a turnstile. It takes one at a time. A a narrow gate or a small gate 
you have to go through single file, one person at a time. You ever been to a Jays game, you gotta go through those turnstiles, or maybe you ride the subway, or I'm not sure if the GO train still uses them or not, but you, know, you have to go through those, those, those turnstiles. The thing with that is you can't go through with a group of people. You can't go through with your family. You know, we're all going to go in together. Or you, or you can't go through with your church and say, well, I'm part of this church. I can, we, we're all just going through together, right? Because we're the church. Or even your friends. Salvation is an individual thing. You can't even carry someone else with you. You can't take your kids with you. One at a time. It's a narrow gate. It's an individual thing to follow Jesus. But it's more than that, I think. It's not just people that you can't take with you. It's, it's hard to take things through those turnstiles. You ever been at one of those turnstiles with a couple suitcases, maybe a bag on your shoulder, and you're trying to get through? It, it's next to impossible. You have to get someone to open up a different gate because you can't go through the narrow gate with all your stuff. Entering the narrow gate is a break with the world and the things of the world. You have to leave a lot of things behind. In fact, you have to leave everything behind except Jesus. You have to leave behind your sin. You have to say no to our sin and yes to Jesus. We have to leave behind all the good works that we thought were going to save us. All those good things that we were trying to do to try and earn our way to God. We have to leave those behind. They won't, go, they won't fit through the narrow gate. You have to leave behind your self-sufficiency. That feeling that we often have that I can figure this out on my own. I can do this. I'm strong enough. No, you're not. I'm not. We need Jesus. We have to leave behind our idols. Now you think, I don't have any idols. No, we all have idols. We have things we put our trust in other than God. Say, so well, I made my, my job, that security that I have, or my, or my wealth, or, or my family connections, or whatever it is that we tend to idolize, we have to leave them behind. You might even have to leave behind your friends that aren't ready to come with you yet, or maybe even family members. Those are hard words, but they're not my words. If you turn over just a couple pages to Matthew chapter 10, Verse 37, Matthew 10, 37 says, anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Following Jesus, entering by the narrow gate requires holding on to Jesus and only Jesus. We have to let go of everything else. It won't fit through the gate. We're even called to leave ourselves behind, our old self at least, right? Second Corinthians 5.17 there says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The reality is we're called, we're instructed, we're required to leave everything behind to follow Jesus. That's why the gate is narrow. There's no room for you and all your stuff to get through the gate. You enter with Christ and in Christ alone. 
totally and solely dependent on him. There are implications to that narrow gate, but there are also implications to the narrow road. When I first started studying this, I thought, well, the gate and the road, it's the same thing. It's God's just saying, you know, there's, there's only one way to, to God. But, but I think Jesus uses the road for a very, re, very important reason. Because the implications of that narrow road that we end up on after putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, now we're on this narrow road. And we find out it's difficult. It's a hard road. Jesus is up front with us. He doesn't, there's not a bait and switch here where Jesus says, hey, just put your faith and trust in me. You walk on a bed of roses the rest of your life. No more troubles, no more trials, nothing. No, Jesus is up front with us. The narrow road, the narrow way is not the easy way. It's not going to be easy. First of all, there will be suffering and trouble and maybe even persecution. John 16, Jesus makes it clear. He says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But it's more than that. This narrow road is not just difficult because there's going to be suffering. Everyone on earth experiences suffering, right? Those on the broad road, those on the narrow road, we all get sick. We all face financial issues. We all, we all struggle. It's... Life is hard for everyone. You know, believers and non-believers alike, both of us experience pain and sickness, the storms of life. But that narrow road is also difficult because it requires work. It requires care. It requires attention. It's the harder way. You can't just blindly or recklessly travel the narrow road. You need to use wisdom. You need to use caution and care. Going back to the driving analogy, I mean, think about it. The difference between driving on a narrow road and a wide road. The narrow road requires much more care. You need to slow down. You need to pay attention. Otherwise, you may end up off the road in a ditch or in an accident with another car. See, the reality of the broad road, the broad way, is it's wide. It's like, it'd be like driving on one of the runways at Pearson International Airport. Can you imagine? You could drive however you wanted. You could swerve back and forth. You could close your eyes, put your hands in the air. You're not gonna hit anything. There's. There's so much room you can do whatever you want on the broad road. But the narrow road, you know, those back roads, those twisty, turny, narrow roads, sometimes there's only room for one car. You can't even, a car comes the other way, you gotta kinda get off the road so you can get by. You gotta be careful. It requires care and attention. You've gotta follow the rules of the road carefully. Pay attention to that speed limit. It's there for a reason. You can't close your eyes for an instant. And you certainly can't take your hands off the wheel. You have to pay attention to stay on the narrow road. That's why following Jesus is not the easy way. That's why the narrow way is not easy. You have to pay attention to God. 
You have to listen to him. You have to study his word so that you know the rules of the road. Living according to all that Jesus has taught so far, just in this one sermon, this, just this Sermon on the Mount, I was looking back over and I thought, man, I, I forgot about that. I mean, who remembers everything that has been said in all the sermons since April? Yeah, not me. I got to put my hand down. I can't even raise my hand for that. We got to go back and we have to study it again and again and again. We have to pay attention to God's word. It takes effort. It takes persistence. And it takes attention. Now, I'm not talking about working to earn your salvation. Once you're on the narrow road, you're already saved. I'm talking about walking with Jesus on the narrow road every moment of every day. It takes effort and care and persistence. Otherwise, you're gonna slide off the road. You're gonna mess up. See, it's possible to be on the narrow road and not be going anywhere. I know people that are saved, God has saved them and they've entered through that gate and they're on the narrow road, but they're just at a standstill. Or they were going along great and then they, they took their eyes off Jesus and now they're in the ditch. You need to get back into God's word. We need to get back into prayer. We need to get back to church. We need to do what all the things God calls us to do in order to stay on the narrow road, to stay faithful and heading in the right direction with him. But there's another implication about this narrow road, and that's the very last few words of this passage. The end of verse 14 tells us that this road is unpopular. It says, only a few find it. Many are on the broad road, and only a few find the narrow road. If we look around at the world, that's kind of obvious, isn't it? If you think about all the people you know in this world, followers of Jesus are certainly in the minority in our society, aren't they? And in certain cultures, maybe even ours, definitely ours, it seems to be getting worse and worse. But why? If indeed the narrow road is the road that leads to life, why do so few find it and follow it? Well, partly because it's hard. People look at it and go, ah, our natural inclination as humans is to find the easy way to do things, right? Maybe people look at what Jesus is calling them to and they go, it's just too hard, I can't do it. But also, as one commentator said, it's because few seek it. In fact, if you study the scriptures, you'll find there are places where it says no one seeks God. Why not? Why isn't everyone looking for God and looking for that narrow gate? How can I get to life? Well, if you turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians, there's a couple verses there, I think, that help us understand this this concept. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Chapter 1, verse 18 says this. 
For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness. Foolishness to those who are perishing. Turn over just, I might be on the same page for you, but on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, says almost the same thing. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, our sinful nature, before we know God, before he saves us, our human nature prevents us from seeking God, from understanding and following his ways. Sounds pretty hopeless, doesn't it? But, but for the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? Because before we know him, we can't seek him, but he seeks us. He draws us to himself. He offers us the gift of salvation, inviting us to enter through the narrow gate and walk the narrow road to follow Jesus. But the invitation requires action from us. We must not just be hearers of God's word, but doers, seekers. We have to put the plan that we've learned into action. We have to respond. We have to receive the gift that God is giving us. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book Studies in the Sermon on the Mount says this. One of the greatest dangers confronting us is the danger of listening to the truth or reading it and nodding our head in agreement with it, but never doing anything about it. We do not seek the straight, or the narrow gate. See, there's an inherent tension here in that God calls the believer to seek him, and yet we need God first to save us so that we can seek him. We need the Holy Spirit working in us, otherwise, it all just sounds like foolishness. That's why few find the narrow, the narrow gate. Because to the one who doesn't know God, it sounds like, why, why on earth would I want to travel that road? That doesn't sound fun at all. So the question is, what road are you on today? Because make no mistake, there are only two options. Jesus only presents two options. The wide gate and the broad road that leads to destruction or the small gate and the narrow road that leads to life. A couple of years ago, I was on a canoe trip with my two sons on a route we'd never taken before. So we, we were following our maps really closely because we wanted to make sure we went the right way. We to, didn't want to get lost. And we had this really big portage coming up. You know what a portage is, right? You carry your canoe and all your packs and everything. I know it sounds like not a lot of fun. But, but anyways, you, and then you, you walk from one lake to another. And this portage was two, two and a half, 2.6 kilometers long. And we'd seen it on the map and we were, we were a little worried because it sounded like a long way to walk with all that stuff. But we got on the trail and we... 
it was so much easier than we anticipated because for the most part, for almost all the portage, we, we, we followed along with this wide ATV trail. You know, an ATV trail has got to be wide and room for two wheels and, you know, where the portage trail can be narrow, single file. But this, this was a nice wide portage trail. It was, it was pretty flat. There wasn't a lot of rocks or, or bumps or even, even the hills were kind of gradual. It was one of the easiest portages we did on that trip, even though it was the longest. But there came a point in that portage where there was a V in the road and the ATV trail continued off to the left and a smaller, narrow trail led off into the bush and down the hill to the lake we wanted to go to. Now, the funny thing is, as I look back on it, I never really thought about it until I was thinking about this sermon. I never once considered staying on the ATV trail. I didn't, I didn't look at my son and say, you know what, this has been so great on this nice wide trail. It's been so easy. Let's just stay on it. I mean, I don't, no, we never, that never, thought never crossed my mind. There was a sign that said the lake was that way. And we just, we followed the sign. We, we didn't care about the trail conditions at that point. We cared about the destination. We knew the Portage Trail, regardless of its conditions, would lead us where we wanted to go. I have no idea where that ATV trail ended up. It never followed it. I don't, I don't even care where it went, because it's not where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to the lake. The difficulty or the condition of the trail was irrelevant because the destination was what was most important. So one would think, as you look at this illustration that Jesus gives, that people's response would be obvious. Everyone would be clamoring to follow the the narrow road. It leads to life. Why would we even consider the other road? And yet, Jesus' own words tell us that many enter through the wide gate and walk the wide road that leads to destruction. I trust that most of you, many of you, are on that narrow road. You've you've entered through the narrow gate. You've received Jesus as your Savior, and you're walking the narrow road today. But if you're not, then by default, you are on the wide road that leads to destruction because it's the only other choice. Here's the good news. You can change that today. You have heard the word of the Lord the words of Jesus, and he is calling you to the narrow gate, to enter by the narrow gate. You just need to receive the gift of salvation he's offering you today, and your journey on the narrow road will begin. It won't be easy. I'm not going to sell you something that it isn't. It will take effort to live the life God is calling all of us to, but it'll be worth it because it is the only way that leads to life. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that you make things so very, very clear that there is only one way, Jesus, to enter into kingdom living. Thank you, Lord, that you provide instruction for how to walk on that narrow road. 
And Lord, I pray today, Lord, that we would all know where we are. And if we're not where we need to be, Lord, that we will take the steps to put our faith and trust in you, to follow you, so that we would all be walking together on that narrow road. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A couple final thoughts before you leave today. You can be seated. Although it won't be that long, don't worry. (laughs) If you are on that narrow road today, and I know many of you are there, but if Jesus has saved you and you're trying to walk that narrow road with him, and you're finding it especially difficult, It will be difficult, it's narrow, but you don't have to walk it alone. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer, lives in you and is there to guide you and help you. But so is the church. The church, this church, The church of Jesus Christ is there to help you and guide you on your way. Don't try and walk it on your own. Reach out for help. Take advantage of all that God is offering you through his people, through his church, to learn and to grow and to study so you can walk on the narrow road that leads to life. And if you need help finding that narrow gate, that small gate, If you have questions about salvation or you need clarification because you just don't quite get it yet, we as a church, we're here for you. I'll be here at the front after the service. Pastor Steve is going to join me. Or if you have to rush off today or, or maybe you're joining us online today and you can't come talk to us, please reach out to the church office during the week. One of our pastors would love to sit with you and talk with you and help you to understand what it means to receive salvation from Jesus Christ. Lord God, thank you for our time together today. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, the way you work in our lives. Thank you for the word that you have spoken to us today. Thank you that we could celebrate the Lord's table and remember again all that you have done for us. We are so grateful, Lord, and I pray now as we go our separate ways that, Lord, you would walk with us on that narrow road, guide us and direct us. And for those here, Lord, who are not on the narrow road yet, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, they would put their faith and trust in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, everyone.